We are back with the Talking Lead Show. This is episode 213, and we hope you guys enjoyed last week's show, 212, where we had Steve Parker, the president and CEO of Falcon 37, the developers of the Habu charging handle system. Very cool system. And Adam Kraut, the attorney. He's also with the Gun Collective. He does the legal brief on the Gun Collective. And Adam will be running for the NRA board for 2018. So you guys listen to that show, find out how you can support Adam in his run for the NRA Board of Directors. So this week, I made mention of this on last week's show, too, is I got a new watch. I was down in Chattanooga, and a good buddy Mookie hooked me up with Jeremy Smith of Smith & Bradley Watches, S&B, as uh, they're more commonly known as, and I uh, just happened to get Jeremy on to join us today. Welcome in, Jeremy. How are we doing? Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. I know that you've been uh, traveling quite a bit lately, so I appreciate you taking the time and joining us today. Oh, absolutely. I look forward to it, man. Oh, we're going to have a good time. So uh, another little thing quick about Jeremy is uh, he comes from uh, the LE background. He's a former SWAT guy, so I'm sure he's got a lot of stories to tell us about that as well. So before we get into everything, I want to go ahead and thank our sponsors Right on USA, the official optics of Talking Lead. Check them out at rightonusa.com. And uh, you guys have probably seen some of the posts that I've been doing lately with their new red dot, their micro red dot, and their 3X magnifier that they just came out with. Uh, they make a great pair, and I've got those running on my Nordic Components PCC 9mm carbine. Uh, they've got binoculars. I don't think I showed you the binoculars um while I was down in Chattanooga, did I? No. Jeremy? No, you didn't. Oh, I, I showed several people. I meant to show you because you guys are into glass also. But the, these things are crystal clear. Uh, 10x uh, magnification. And, uh, I mean, it's just like you're looking you know, with the naked eye. It's absolutely gorgeous. So you guys check them out right on USA.com. Modern Spartan Systems. Optimize your firearms with Modern Spartan Systems lines of gun cleaning solutions, lubricants, greases, and oh, by the way, they even make a product for your vehicle. It's called the TVT Engine Additive that will increase your gas mileage, extend the life of your engine. I can personally attest to that because the old lead sled is uh, getting close to 307,000 miles right now. And that's due to uh, Modern Spark Systems TVT engine oil additive. Got a trip coming up to Michigan. I'm getting to uh, getting ready to take the lead sled on. Like I said, last week went down to uh, Chattanooga. The week before that, we were down in Atlanta at Glock. So uh, getting lots and lots of mileage out of the, the lead sled. And then we've got uh, another trip down to Georgia going to the IREC, Vet, Aider, uh, IREC Veteran 8888 YouTube shoot. Uh, and then we're going to go down to Florida, kind of close to where Jeremy uh, resides, down in Daytona Beach for the Big Three East. Modern Spartan Systems. Check out modern. Check them out at modernspartansystems.com. X Steel Targets. X Steel Targets. The best, most affordable AR500 steel targets on the market today. X Steel Targets. They have a wide variety of targets. Uh, they've got package deals that you can put together. Uh, their targets will take everything up to 50 BMG. They've got 22 um, caliber targets specific for the 22 caliber. Uh, they've got quarter inch rimfire, quarter inch AR500 steel targets. Uh, 
uh, all the way up to three quarter inch. Uh, they, they can make bigger. They can custom make targets for you. They've got CRX target systems, easy target systems, gong squares, static silhouettes, knockovers, reactives. Uh, like I was telling you, the the dueling tree that they've got is awesome. The Texas Star is phenomenal. Uh, it's just a fun target shoot. You ever shot a Texas Star? Never shot a Texas Star. So they're like the five armed um, targets that's got the plates on the end of it, and okay, it's, yeah. it spins around, and you yep. you try to shoot the plates off. Yep. They've got a double one of those that's got ten arms on it. So you got the five oh, arms, and then you've got five arms in between. <laughs> so it's crazy. Uh, if you're a competition shooter, they've got the IPSC, the three-gun, steel challenge, cowboy action targets. So anything you can think of, they've got it. And if they don't have it, like I said, you get in touch with Bud over there, and he can make it for you. XSteelTargets.com. Frontier Tactical, they're the makers of the Warlock system. That is a, an adapter system that basically replaces your AR-15's uh, barrel nut assembly area. You put their system on, and then you're able to quickly and easily change your AR-15 out to shoot up to 90 different calibers. Jeremy, 90 different calibers from your one AR-15 platform. Isn't that awesome? That is uh, quite impressive. That is impressive. <laughs> uh, not only do they have that, but they've uh, just recently come out with their full line of AR-15s, the FT series, and they come standard with the Warlock system on them. So right out of the box, you're able to shoot up to 90 different calibers. Uh, quick change? Quick change. It's just a, a twist of the Warlock, pop the barrel assembly out, put the new caliber in, twist it. If you got to change bolt, then you know, obviously you need to change your bolt, uh, and then switch up your mags if you need to switch up your mags, and you're ready to go. Uh, that's pretty quick. And they hold they hold zero. So if you've got your sights, you got your scope on, let's say, your uh, 5.56, and then you pop it out, and then you change it to uh, 300 blackout. Then you've got your scope on your 300 blackout. You just pop it in, put it on, and then you're ready to go. That's cool. Very cool. And then they, they have their line of AR-15 pistols as well. So you talk about an awesome truck gun, an awesome shit-hits-the-fan gun. Uh, you can put these things. They break down so compact that you can even put them in a purse. They've got a video of a chick uh, that's got one in her purse. Now that would be cool. It's pretty cool. So check them out. Your purse. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably a little bigger than your standard, you know, yeah. uh, little credit card purse, but uh, yeah. Yeah. FrontierTactical.com. Glock, the official carry of left hand of talking lead. That's right. I rock the Glock 23 and the Glock 27. Yes, sir. I'm a 40 guy, Jeremy. Don't, uh, don't hate me. I'm, I'm not hating you. I'm, I'm a 21 guy. There you go. There you go. I was going to say, probably with your years with the SWAT, you probably had your uh, your fill of 40. Uh, well, I, I've only shot 21, uh, Model 21, for uh, 21 years now. There you go. Very cool. Uh, so check them out at us.glock.com. Uh, check out our episode. Uh, it was like two episodes ago, I think it was, when I was down there at Glock going through their uh, operators course. Uh, it was a very cool course. We had the instructors on, had some of the other people going through the course on with us, talking about the course. And then we also talked about the Glock Sport Shooting Foundation, which is an awesome uh, foundation that Glock started to get uh, newbies, so to speak, into shooting and the shooting sports. Uh, and they are nationwide. So check out gssfonline.com. And then Tactical Squirrel. 
you guys are into gear, you're into gadgets, you're into survival stuff, then you guys need to go check out Tactical Squirrel. Uh, you can go to our website, TalkingLead.com. We've got a direct link uh, up in our home menu there. It says Tactical Squirrel Boxes. Click on that. And uh, they've got different levels of monthly subscription boxes that you can subscribe to to get. Every month you're going to get something different, something cool, uh, such as... An example, uh, July box had a box of your choice of a caliber for Team Never Quit ammunition. You get a fat ash, ash it's A-S-H, fat ash soap, unscented big bar, uh, which is great for hunters. Hunters like unscented stuff. If you're a hunter, you'll appreciate that or a secret squirrel kind of guy. Uh, Hiding Hilda self-defense keychain. Uh, it also included a tough one gun grip cover, trigger safe safety device for your AR trigger group, Reaper Outdoors Wicked Hot Sauce, Key Smart Key Pocket Organizer. It had uh, a Live Fire Gear Survival Kit, which uh, Live Fire is smaller, lighter, burns hotter, and burns longer than other leading emergency fire starting products. All right, so it's a fire starting product. So there you go. That's what that is. And then you're also going to get uh, AccuLube from the gun cleaners. So all that was in July's box. And, oh, just so happens, I'm going to give one of those away to one of you lucky leadheads. So make sure you stay tuned to the end of the show to find out how you can take one of the uh, July boxes home with you. And if you can't wait and you want to go ahead and subscribe, like I said, go to our website, TalkingLead.com, up at the uh, top uh Menu area there is where the link says Tactical Squirrel Boxes. Click on that, and as your first monthly subscription box, as a lead head, you're going to get a little extra something in that first box because you're a lead head. So go there, check them out. So, Jeremy, this, Yo. is, your, this is your first time on our show. Yes, it is. So we're going to learn more about you. We're going to learn more about Smith & Bradley, your watches, your awesome watches. I'm, I'm rocking the, the Evolution which is from your, um, which line is that? Uh, our tactical series. Your tactical series? Yeah, so this is uh, more for divers. It's like a dive watch. Yeah, so you got the stainless one yeah. um, with the rubber strap, which is basically, you know, it's not all blacked out. It's kind yeah. of that crossover one. Which I like it. I'm digging it. So we're cool. going to talk about uh, more about Jeremy and uh, his watches, his products. But first, I hear that jack wagon train rolling in. Gunny, bring in that train. Hoorah, Semper do or die, hold them high at 8th and I. It is time for the Talking Lead Jack Wagon of the Week, so brace yourself, baby. All right, the train has stationed, and uh, we are reared up to throw some people on the Jack Wagon train this week. Uh, I'm going to start us off, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. And probably uh, what's big right now, and this just happened uh, over the weekend, uh, the, the crap that's going on in Charlottesville. So, um, what has happened just kind of in a nutshell was there was a white, what are they, what are they calling themselves? White nationalist gathered. And it was this, uh, Saturday, the, was that the 12th, I guess, uh, for a unite the right March in Charlottesville where they were met by counter protesters. Taunting led to shoving, which escalated into brawling which, as we find out, uh, led to some other stuff. Uh, so then around 1.45, a car plowed into a group of counter-protesters, and another car 
Um, there's video of this too, so you guys can Google it and, and see the video. I don't know if it'll be up by the time you hear this. They may pull it all down from the internet. <laughs> um, and then a lady was killed, Heather D. Heyer, uh, 32. She's a paralegal from Charlottesville, uh, who they say was a passionate advocate for the disenfranchised and was often moved to tears by the world's injustices. Um, okay. Sorry she lost her life. I mean, I really am. It's tragic. Um, but, I mean, why, why was she there? Read, uh, let's see, read the Times profile, Miss Hire there, blah, blah, blah. Two state troopers also died. I didn't know this. Uh, on Saturday, Lieutenant H.J. Cullen and Trooper Burke M.M. M. Bates were in a helicopter circling Charlottesville monitoring the demonstrations when the helicopter fell and burst into flames. Oh, dang. I had not heard about that. Yeah. Did they say malfunction of the aircraft? Uh, they, there's a link here. Let's see. It says the helicopter fell from the sky and burst into flames in a wooded residential area on the outskirts of the University of Virginia campus. Uh, Cullen, Palatine, and Bates uh, would have turned 41 on Sunday, died at the scene. Hey, another layer to tragedy the violent day of unrest hours before the crash. A man driving a Dodge Challenger rammed. Yeah, that's what we're talking about right now. Okay, talking about them after the crash. I guess it's probably still under investigation, I would say. It's probably still too early. Well, there's nothing that good came out of that day. No. No. So this guy plows in. He hurts a n number of other people. And I guess they, they catch the guy. He's in jail right now, being held without bail. Um, his name's James Alex Fields Jr., 20-year-old. He's a 20-year-old from Ohio, someplace near Toledo. Um, says he faces an array of charges, including uh, second-degree murder. Uh, judge did not bailed. Uh, and they're going to appoint him a lawyer. And then there's a link there to find out more about him. So, I mean, obviously, yeah, I'm throwing this guy uh, on the jack wagon train without a, without question, uh, this idiot. Um, what otherwise was just a bunch of fisticuffs and, you know, people pushing and shouting and, you know, cursing each other. Uh, you know, you take this one, and obviously he's got mental things. I read something where he had uh, a history of mental illness as well. Um, this one guy, you know, has turned this whole thing into something that otherwise would have never made any kind of press coverage whatsoever. I don't, in my opinion. Uh, but then the president gets on and he makes his statement, President Trump, which I listened to the video of his statement and I thought it was, um, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, considering that how soon that it just happened, how soon he was on after it happened, you know, all the facts weren't there yet. So he didn't speculate like some former presidents would do in situations like this and start you mean pointing, pinpointing without having knowledge. Exactly. Start pointing fingers at people, calling people mm -hmm. out, saying that, uh, you know, this, this and that needs to be done when all the facts weren't present yet. So, you know, I actually commend President Trump for um, his restraint, you know, from going out and just calling this a racial, I guess, uh, uh, incident, racial well, fuel incident, which I, it was, there was an event that happened, doesn't condone it, condemns it. And then we go because all right. the facts aren't in. Exactly. And he did condemn it. He, he condemned and he didn't just say, you know, condemning white, na he white nationalists. He condemned all extremist groups, uh, which apparently the leftist media still 
you know, they're they're calling him out on this, saying that he didn't do enough, he didn't condemn people enough, didn't point fingers enough, uh, didn't show enough vigor, I guess, in condemning hatred. I I don't know, bigotry and violence. Which I mean, that's the thing. The the facts are still not in. So until they can do a thorough background on this guy, find out exactly what his motives were, if he was uh, associated with this group, this group saying that he wasn't even associated with them. That's just it. I mean, if it's still under investigation, how do you start pinpointing? Right. And saying, well, this did this, this did that. You can't, I mean, start, this guy can't start singling out people. By somebody. Right. We don't know. I'm also throwing, obviously, was it the New York Times, the Washington Post, I think it was, CNN had an article uh, where they're calling, oh, get this, Jeremy, they're calling the vehicle uh, a motorized weapon. Where he oh, used I, drive, a, I drive my weapon every day. He he used a motorized weapon. <laughs> so they're villainizing vehicles now. So I guess that's going to make their list of things to ban. Yeah, they're going to put a ban on what kind of car you can have and how much horsepower you can have. And Exactly. Have, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. you guys pay close attention to the verbiage, the words that the media uses as they're describing the event, as they're calling out Trump on his... Um, and, you know, again, this this shouldn't be a national problem here. This happened in this state, in this jurisdiction, so, I mean, that should all be handled. And, you know, he gave his opinion of what he knew at the time, which, you know, that's great. President should do that. It's a tragedy. Uh, but they don't need to get the fucking federal government involved in on this. Well, this is going to be their segue from the Russia thing. Now it's going to be a racial thing. So they're going to segue out of the crap that they can't do. So now they're going to go into this. They're going to take this as their segue into their next mission. And, you know, I say everybody watch it very closely because you're going to see a lot of things start popping up just because they're going to treat this like a really hot potato and they're going to start throwing it around everywhere. Yeah. I mean, if you look at this kid, I mean, it looks like he's freaking 16 years old. He said he's 20 years old. Um says, as a young man in Kentucky, he sometimes exposed, espoused Nazi ideologically, uh, ideology at school. A military career ended in less than four months. On Saturday before the crash, it left that chick dead and 19 others hurt. He stood in Charlottesville, donned a white shirt, and clutched a shield that bore a symbol of the so-called alt-right. Colony there. Uh, let's see. Mr. Field spent most of his life in northern Kentucky and was raised near Cincinnati. His father was killed in a car accident in 1996, months before he was born. He was a very quiet little boy, said Aunt Pam Fields. We're just treating this as family issue. We're devastated as a family, and we're really, we really are praying for the victims and their families, uh, and we are so sorry this has happened. Uh, Miss Phil's mother, Samantha. All right, get to where he's a fucking loon. On many occasions, there were times he would scream obscenities, whether it be about Hitler or f- racial slurs. A woman who attended middle school with Mr. Fields in Florence, Kentucky, sent an email on Sunday. The woman who requested anonymity because she feared retaliation said Miss Fields mostly kept to herself, or Mr. Fields kept to himself and didn't start fights or try to fight. But she described him as exceptionally odd and an outcast, to be sure. He wasn't afraid to make you feel unsafe. Uh, let's see. 
one teacher, very much along party lines of the neo-Nazi movement. A lot of boys get interested in Germans and Nazis because they're interested in World War II. Uh, but James took it to another level. Very bright kid, but very misguided and delusioned. There was something I read where he actually was, like, diagnosed. They, anyway. may, have, they may have pulled that if it's out there. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I just read it before we got on somewhere, and I, oh. I had to reboot, and I lost my, my page that I had up. So, But it's, you know, that's it, what it's going to boil down to, is you got you know that one freaking lunatic that takes things, you know, to just ridiculous extreme levels. I mean, you look at the picture of these people that are protesting. Anyway, I mean, they're a bunch of idiots. And, you know, the way they dress, the way they cut their hair, and <laughs> it's just bless you, their you hearts. Gotta, but You always got to love, you know, in all my years of doing crowd control and dealing with protesters, and, you know, I was either SWAT dealing with it or dispersing crowds with my canine, one of the two. And it always, it never fails. It's like if you have a group that's protesting and you got a counter-protesting group, Make make your statement, but I've never understood when you cross that barrier and you start getting in someone's face. What do you expect? Yeah, you're <laughs> you're you're now all of a sudden in someone's face and you're provoking them. Right. And if they punch you in the mouth, get away. Don't go near them. State your case. You can do it across the street, but you don't have to get face to face with people. I mean, that's just inciting the situation. That's all and, it is. And that's what happened: is that the anti-protesters incited. You know, they pushed, poked, prodded. And then, like I said, I think fights broke out. People brawled. But, you know, there's fisticuffs. That, that's... You know, well, their expectation was but this to guy, engage in physical contact. Right. What else are you going to do get in someone's face? You think they're just going to stand there and say, okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. No. And what they were protesting, I do believe they were trying to take down a statue or a, a monument to Robert E. Lee. Correct. Um, and, so they were protesting that. So you have a group that's protesting a historical monument of the removal of that, and you got the other crowd. I, I still, I mean, under, and we've seen it before, though, where the other side physically incites the other side. Then they call them the bad guys because right. they responded. Yeah. Well, the bad guy is the one who actually crosses that line to engage with them. Yeah, I just, it just seems like... When you hear about these things, it's always the left side that's provoking, poking, prodding. The vi- they're, they're the violent ones. They're the ones that are wanting the violence. Well, you know, sometimes I always wonder, do they think that, because I mean, you look at their groups, you know, they're all so warm and fuzzy and, you know, hugging each other and, you know, nothing can be so wrong. And I just wonder, when they get in these people's faces, do they not think they're actually going to get punched right in the mouth? One of these days, one of these days, pow, right in the kisser. <laughs> I, think they, I think that's what they want. They want to provoke that reaction to show, wow. because it's like you said, it's always the second guy who gets caught, just like in sports. You know, uh, it's always the second guy that gets the flag thrown on him. So that's, they know that, and that's, that's, I really think that's part of their, you know, their strategy. And I, I actually, I believe that because they don't mind engaging in that. Apparently, they've never had a really good ass beaten. But yeah, it just brings me back to when I was in college. Um, we had um, our our mascot at MTSU, Middle Tennessee State University, is where I went to college, and uh, we were called the Blue Raiders. And it it was Nathan Bedford Forrest and his Raiders. Uh, we're a very 
of rich Civil War history um, city here in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, Middle Tennessee. And uh, there were some famous Civil War battles that took place here. And Nathan Bedford Forrest was one of the big, you know, heroes of the South, I guess, big generals. Uh, but they had his, uh, I guess, a, uh, it's not, it wasn't a statue, but it was like something above our, our student union center that had Nathan Bedford Forrest on it. And it, you know, it had been there for years and years and years and years and years and years. And then, uh, when I was in school and maybe right after I got out, there was a big thing kind of like this to where they were proposing to take it down because there was a group of people that were offended, you know, by it that, Somebody a hundred years ago owned slaves that, you know, was being immortalized, I guess, at, at the campus. There was never anything like this that happened. There were calm, peaceful protests. Yes, tempers got flared, and, you know, there were probably a couple of fisticuffs that broke out here and there, but that was it. And after it was all said and done, they took it down. You know, they took down the, the thing, but we're still called the Raiders, MTSU Raiders. Um, I'm just waiting for them to, to change that, but. Um, yeah, so that, I mean, I just don't get nowadays that these protests and, you know, when people are unhappy about something that it gets this carried away, that they feel that they have to go to these extremes. Well, I mean, that's what protest is. You, you protest your position. You don't fight your position. Yeah. I mean, you fight a position. I mean, that. And again, fisticuffs, I got no problem with fisticuffs. I mean, brawls, I mean, people want to break out and they want to throw some punches and Rub some dirt in somebody's face. Uh, that's you know, fine. But, if, but, but be, be accepting of the fact that if you start it, there's going to be a, whoever finishes right. it with. You know, that's just the way it is. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but don't go crying. You're like, oh, oh, they hit me. They hit me. And now it becomes a bit. Look, if you started it and you got stomped, accept the fact, well, you yeah. know, I probably shouldn't do that. And again. at the same time, if you're, if you're one of the, the protesters and you've got fellow protesters there and you see one guy that's just getting ridiculously agitated then you need to pull them aside and calm their ass down yeah i mean you get more done by not doing I mean, by pulling that guy aside you're gonna accomplish a hell of a lot more because then it just it's all downhill from there because you're not accomplishing your point yeah and all they accomplished was um getting that monument taken down now i mean there's gonna be no question that it gets oh. gets taken down now no that was that was solidified that moment that that action took place yeah, and who even knows that? Again, they say that this what they do is I read uh, somewhere that this group that they'll give anybody a white shirt and a shield to protest with them that shows up. So um, this guy show they say that he's not affiliated with them whatsoever, uh, and he obviously has some mental issues. Um, but that's the thing. I mean, one person did this whole thing out of however many of hundreds of people that were there. there well, was this, you know, I could... this one crazy dude. I can see their point saying, well, he's not affiliated with this because that action guaranteed the removal of what they were protesting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they have to automatically distance themselves from him, even if he was associated with them. Yeah, I get so. it. You know, I get it at the same time. Um, but that, I mean, that's, that's the thing is my, my jack wagon is again, the leftist media and the way that they're going about and trying to compare this to Ferguson and, uh, saying that Trump should be calling out, pointing fingers, uh, basically inciting more riots if he were to do that, just like Obama. Did you guys not learn that that's what Obama did? And nine times out of ten, he had, nine times out of ten, he had the facts wrong to begin with, and it boiled down to mental issues of of people. And uh, 
it just made things worse. Fer- Ferguson's a prime example of that. I mean, you don't, well, as a world leader, you don't do that. Well, the left is going to take this football and they're going to run to the end zone with it. Yeah, and they're going to run. But they got run. no legs. I mean, I, that's my point. They've got no legs to run. They are, again, making shit up. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you couldn't be more full of shit than what they're going to try to do. Yeah. I mean, they're going to try and spin it every which way. And every media outlet's going to have three scholars on there in this area of why this is this way, why is this this way. Yeah. They're all full of shit. Look, it's not bigger than what it is. They're, they're going to make it bigger I'm than just, what it is. I'm just shocked. Uh, Jeremy, I'm just shocked that at this point that somebody's not just speculated, well, I bet he had guns in the trunk. Just make that speculation. Just make that, you know, that statement. Even though that there's been nothing come out that he had a firearm or a gun, I guarantee you, before this is over with, guns will get involved. At his house, he had multiple a, weapons. A firearms, yeah, a firearms, gun grabbing, um, um, uh, slant will come from this somehow. Oh, yeah. Well, mark my words. There's going to be so many things that are going to slant from this. We're going to sit there and our eyes are going to bug out of our head. <laughs> I know it. I know it. So, yeah, that's, that's my jack wagon for the week. What about you? You got anybody you want to throw on? No, I mean, I, I'm, I'm all with that. You know, I've, I've been at those groups, you know, I've, I've had to protect those groups before and yeah, I've been at the podium protecting guys that are white supremacists. You know, I've well, been let's, in- let's do that. Let's get into talking about you and your company, Smith and Bradley. Let's do that. So you, your background, if you got, like I said, we mentioned earlier, you've got a, a SWAT guy background. So you've yeah. actually dealt with stuff like this before, and you we were talking uh, before we mic'd up uh, on some of the things that you've actually had to protect some of these white uh, nationalist, white supremacists. Yeah, before. so there was a, a group out of Peoria, Illinois, that was a white supremacist group that uh, traveled around and did their their hate speech and all their stuff and their proclamations of everything. Um, and it was our job to protect them, of course, from the counter-protester. You know, they're, they're protesting their right to speech wherever they want, and uh, other people would be coming out. But I was always the podium guy. And, you know, I always had to sit there and defend his right to give his speech, mm-hmm. which he has. And then the people are telling, you know, they'd come it's at me. Constitutional going, right, yeah. And, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Because you have the right to do what you do, and he has the right to do what he do, does. And my job is to make sure you do, don't clash. And you have the right to do it safely. Yeah. So if you're threatening I, this guy, then I have to be here because you're threatening this guy. Right. <laughs> so if, if I was to walk out, then you would get with him, then he would get with you, and all of a sudden there's going to be someone dead. Yeah, exactly. Just like what happened here. Right. So, you know, I've been in those situations and multiple times because he was of the area in which I worked. So he, and we were a very big college community. So he always wanted to be in that area, wanted to infiltrate into that area. And we had a very good venue for him to give his speeches. You know, whether it be, you know, in the university setting itself or within the uh, public areas of the university, because there were large crowds and large abilities for him to actually get out there and do it. Yeah. The right to do it. Um, But not that you agreed with it, but it was your job and your duty to protect those rights. My personal opinion doesn't mean anything. My job is to do this. It's not necessarily that you protect, you protect his safety. I mean, you're there to protect safety. So uh, that's it. I don't. I don't have an opinion of, well, I believe in you and I believe in you. That, that's irrelevant. Exactly, exactly. You know, don't ask me what I... And that's what a lot of these boneheads make the misconception about, just like in Ferguson, you know, the police were coming out. They weren't there to protect, um, you know, the police officer. Uh, they were there to protect public property that you idiots were destroying 
your yeah. own your own community and your own people. Uh, and then the the police get to get made out to be the bad guys. And I'm sure you were made out to be the bad guy because you were there protecting. Always the bad guy. Whatever you know, whatever those people were were about. So you automatically were being associated with being behind what they were behind. You know, it's, it's you, bullshit. You, know, you get to that point where you're always the bad guy. Right. Always the bad guy. No matter what you do, you show up at a scene, you're a bad guy. You do this, you're a bad guy. You come here, what do you want? You're a bad yeah. guy. You know, they told me in the academy, if you want a job where everyone's so happy to see you, be a firefighter. <laughs> <laughs> Every time you show up, you're so happy. We're glad you're here. Right. Yeah, but no, I mean, no one was ever happy to see Unless you. it's an no. insurance claim. <laughs> yeah. But eventually that white supremacist um, went to prison for trying to hire, solicited for hire the murder of a federal judge. Oh, my gosh. So he's now in federal prison. So, I mean, these guys, they're... Eventually these guys will self-destruct. They will. I mean, they can't promote that much and do that much without some form of repercussions, and it'll come to them on their own. Yeah. I even saw somewhere, I read something, I suck at uh, remembering where I read. I just, you know, I'll read something, but uh, there was one article where they were saying, uh, condemning Trump for not throwing these types of people, these types of groups, uh, white supremacist, white nationalist, out of the country. They want them out of the country. Um, Isn't that... Huh? How do we do that when we're taking in refugees? We don't even know who the heck they are, but yet we got these people. Who's worse than the other? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But we're going to throw one out because it's a double standards. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sure it's. Anyway, uh, I mean, I'm for. I'm for. I mean, these neo-Nazi um, um, was the swastika flag waving people. I, I'm all for them getting squashed and you know their whatever their cause is being you know dissolved. Oh yeah. And, you know, their training camps are all over the place and they promote bad things. I get it. And yeah. I mean, they promote hate and I don't, that's stupid. They, they promote hate, but just like some of these leftist groups, um, that are for other organizations and groups, they also promote hate. Well, we've just seen a fine example of how they promote hate. Right. So, and we've seen it historically how they do it. So yeah, yeah all my years of. So how long, many years I've, were you, uh, SWAT? Uh, I was nine and a half years full-time, and then after full-time, during that time, I was uh, SWAT canine. I think you got a canine on the loose, sounds like. I know. He's, he, <laughs> he has a little bad attitude every now and then. Um, but I was SWAT canine, um, field training instructor, and firearms instructor all at the same time. So I never slept for about nine years. Jeez. So, I, I was either paged out, called out for a raid, hostages, or called out to use the dog for a track, or whatever you whatever could happen or potentially happen south of Chicago. I was out. oh man, you were in the you were in the thick of it. Yeah, if I was out, it was never good. So I was always that you wake up, you go, you wake up, you go, you wake up, you go, you wake up, you go. And, you know, it's funny because all the old-timer guys are like, man, don't you drink coffee? I'm like, I don't have time to drink coffee. I said, <laughs> my pager goes off. I'm out the door. I said, when this happens, I go out the door. And I'm just a mission-driven guy. So it was yeah. always the moment I roll out of bed, gears on, dogs in the car, everything's ready to get rock and roll. I don't have time to stop for this, this, this. I just throw a chew in and I'm out the door. So I'm were gone. you always in Chicago? Always. Always? always. South, we're south of there about an hour and a half. So we yeah. were the, like – the funneling gateway into the south side of Chicago. So everything that came into Chicago came through us. South side Chi Town. Yeah. So it was never a, a dull moment. So, so I'm sure you, you know, had gangs and stuff you had to deal with down there too, huh? 
Yeah, so when they closed down the south side of Chicago and all the projects, they displaced them to our area. Right. So when all of the big housing complexes went down, they all came down to us. Um, when Katrina hit, all of them got displaced and they came to us. Oh, wow. So we had displaced, displaced, displaced. Everything was displaced. How, uh, how did your crime rate go up after Katrina? Did it? Did you see a... A thousand percent. A thousand percent. It was incredible. I mean, absolutely incredible. And we had a, a uh, Air Force base in Rantoul, Illinois. It was a. They just closed it down back in the early '90s, so they still had uh, the old base hospital there. So after Katrina, you know, they're trying to put all these people in all the housing that was on base and all the officers' housing and everyone just full. And then they filled up the old hospital. And we had a call there one night of a stabbing, and it was the most it was like a scary movie because as soon as we went in to the door of where the emergency room doors were right and that's what the main entrance was to come into the facility it was just blood all the way down the halls so in every room so you think of a hospital oh every gosh. room people are sleeping in it every single whether it's a, a janitor's closet whether what a, a emergency room or whatever it was it was just crazy so we went from room to room to room and there was probably four or five stabbings that had occurred in a row. Oh my gosh! And it, so, was this like from of, one guy, or huh? Did you ever find out? Was it like one dude, or was oh. it like a group of dudes? No, oh, it was a group. They got into a fight. So one stabbed the other. They stabbed the other. The other came for retaliation against the other. Oh, and it, gotcha. It was just an absolute bloodbath. So it took us about twenty minutes to figure out who was who because it looked like someone had just. It was a slaughterhouse, and it was in. Oh, it was the most insane thing I've ever seen. It was just. It was a movie because <laughs> oh my gosh. hallways had like plastic up to divide the hallways and blood's all over this and you're going through this and lighting's all crappy and you're like, this can't be real, man. I mean, there's just crap everywhere and blood spilled everywhere and it, it took literally about four hours to get everything figured out. It's like one but, of those Halloween uh, haunted uh, horror houses kind of thing. It was it was pretty bad. It was a real surreal kind of deal. But yeah, that and that was just the... That's just like literally. That was only like a couple of days after all the infiltration of after Katrina of everyone coming up there and getting stuck in all the small places, and it was just it was just nonstop bloodbath, bloodbath, but just crazy. Oh man! So, how old were you when you started? Ah, let's see. I graduated college. I started when I was twenty-two. Twenty-two, and you, have you done and you've done it for twenty-one years. Um, I left after seventeen. After seventeen, okay. Yeah, I was I was just tired of being tired. Tired so, of being tired. I was, man. So it got to the point after my nine and a half years, uh, I was doing a raid. And I, right when I hit the door, I put my ram up with my lieutenant and said, I'm resigning. So I resigned, I resigned from the SWAT team immediately there. And then about eight months later, I resigned from the agency and then went to part-time. Gotcha. Now, you said you did canine as well. Right. What, uh, what kind of canines did you use? Uh, my first one was a rot. Oh, a Rottweiler. They're a big sweetie. I hear you got your big sweetie with you now. What do you got? Uh, this is the he's. This is this is this is Sniper. Sniper was he your service dog? No, he wasn't my service dog. He was the he's my newest addition. But oh, that's a different one dog. than the the other one that was there. Yeah, my other one's a Malinois. Oh, okay. And he was he was in service with me. Gotcha. But yeah, my first service dog was a um, um, rescue dog. Okay. So I was—I just got him. I didn't have any intent to do training with him or to do anything with him. 
And I got off work one night and we had take home squad cars. So I took him out to go to the bathroom. I was still in uniform and I always put my keys inside my duty belt. And I was walking back in. I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't have my keys. So I, I lost all my keys. I'm like, oh, and we were out in the field running and playing it. And it's midnight. I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun out in the big grass field. <laughs> yeah. So I just let him go out and run around and do his thing. And I was sitting here flashlight and looking around backtracking. And I look up. And he's got the keys in his mouth, and he brings them to me. <laughs> and it was just an un, you know, I didn't, he just did it on his own. And I said, well, let me try some other stuff. So I went to some other handlers, and we started doing some narcotics work with him little by little. And he was a fantastic detector dog. This was the Rottweiler? Yeah. Yeah. So awesome. uh, our agency at the time didn't have a canine, nor did we have the funding to do a canine. So I approached the sheriff, and I said, look, if I get this dog nationally certified, through the United States Police Canine Association, and I donate him to the agency, can we build a canine depart, uh, division? Well, he said, absolutely, because that's where all the cost is, the training and the dog. Right, yeah. The other stuff is no big deal. So I did it all on my own. So I went and trained, got with other trainers, did it all on my own time, all for nothing. And I went and got nationally certified with this rot for detector work. So he turned out to be a fantastic uh, narcotics dog and tracking dog was, I mean, he was just fantastic at it. So we got certified. I presented it to the county board and they were able to lease him for a dollar. So we wow. built a canine division. So you did that all in your own time, all your own, your own buck. My own buck just for the love of it. Nice. I mean, I, Good for you, man. Yeah, that job, I love that job. I mean, it was, it was never about my, you don't go into that job for money. I mean, that, that's yeah. the last thing. And it was just the love of doing it. So built the program, did everything, gave it to him for a buck. And boom, we were off and running. Very cool. So um, we're going to get back into talking more about you. We want to find out about Smith and Bradley watches. So how did you go from your LA career to to watches? <laughs> Figured you, well, yeah. you'd like start your own canine training business or something, you know? Well, you know, there it goes again. You know, doing my own thing, where I was just trying to figure out what to do. You know, all these years I'm sitting here going, a, you know, a million miles an hour, right, and never settling down. And I'd, I was doing stuff, you know, I was building cars, building houses, and in in between all this time that I didn't have, and I figured I, I need something to sit there and just keep my brain focused on something. Yeah. So You need a hobby. Got to get a hobby. Yeah. So I started messing with, you know, little gears instead of big gears. Yeah. And I just started doing it and doing it, and I needed a part for a watch. So I went to the local jeweler, and I'm like, hey, man, I need this part for this watch. And he goes, you need this part? Like, well, yeah, I need this part. And he goes... And he was giving me crap about it. And it was a very deep internal gear. Right. So he gave me crap about it. So, man, are you going to sell me this part or not? He's like, what are you going to use it for? <laughs> yeah, so I said, I'm going to fix this watch. So he ended up selling me the part. I come back the next day. And I'm like, man, that thing works great. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And he looked at me like stone-faced. Like, what did you just do? He's like, you fixed a watch. And I, I said, yeah. Because you got to have like very specialized tools. and, and Man, at the time I had no th – I was literally like – uh, tweezers out of the bathroom and uh, <laughs> screwdrivers from uh, you know sunglass kits. You know at the time, I, you know I had little stuff to work on stuff, but it wasn't specialized like what I have now. Right. And he was just mystified that I did that. And he says, "Let me give you." So he gave me a watch that he had there, and he goes, "Just play with that one. See what you, what what you think of it." And I came back the day after that one. And I'm like, "Yeah, this one works great, man." And he <laughs> says, Son, you, He goes, "You need to sit down." He goes, "There's guys that go to school for years." To figure out and do what you just did in one night, he goes years, and you just did it in a night. I mean, isn't there no like training. literally hundreds of parts to the innards of a watch? 
depending on the certain mechanism, I mean, you can have, you know, a dozen gears, different positions, different bridges, you know, mm-hmm. counterbalances, the way the counterbalance swings, you know, springs and you know, right. tension and all this stuff. And he's like, you just did this last night and you have no training whatsoever. No, I just watched how everything works. And he's like, you got to do something with this. He goes, that's impressive. So it just kind of built from there. Yeah. We just kept going and going and going. And I started servicing super high-end watches about six months later. So I had my own place and I'm doing all this little stuff here, a little there, and I'm buying and selling watches and I'm fixing watches. And I got to the point where, you know, I had amassed a pretty good collection of buying and selling watches. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking these things apart and I'm like, man, I can build them better than this. I said, you know, they can build this part better. They can do this part better. And I said, you know what? I'm going to build my own watch. And I said, I can fix it. I know everything about these things. I said, I'm going to build my own. So I set out and built my own first watch. And I put it on crowdfunding. I put it on Kickstarter. It was our first Sans 13 model. Okay. That's and the I one I've got, Sans 13. Uh, you got the Evolution. Evolution. So uh, my first one was just an original Sans 13, you know, typical tactical military-looking watch. Yeah. Um, with some types of – it was a proprietary loom technology that I'm using. It's what you have in there now. And uh, I said, let's just see if I can prove my concept. So I put it on crowdfunding. We put some stuff out there. And we funded in like – 36 hours. Really? Yeah. And we had a month to do it. So we ended up doing about $43,000 worth of watches in 30 days. Wow. That's amazing. So I did that one and I said, well, let me design another one. I want to make sure I'm, I'm really comfortable in doing this. Right. Make sure it's not a fluke. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let me do this. And I did the uh, ambush and I put it on there and I said, okay, we, you know, got a little better at promoting it a little bit. And in 30 days, we did $124,000. Wow. And I said, well, okay. I said, I think we just proved the concept of <laughs> doing watches like this and doing that. You know, we're, we almost did 200K in two programs. Yeah. I said, yeah, I, I think I can figure this out, that this works. So we did, I just started getting into the creation and development and really started going down the rabbit hole for, it was about two years where I just literally, I, I, didn't, I didn't go out and promote. I didn't go out and do anything. And I just... Basically, I was into finding the best materials in the world. You know, I would I would fly overseas and spend weeks there meeting with factories, meeting with people, you know, getting the best of the best that the world had to offer. And I already knew the criteria of what had to be done by working on the best watches that were supposedly the best watches in the world. Mm-hmm. So I knew what I was I.e. like a Rolex, something like that. Yeah. So I always worked on Rolex, Breitling, Bellinroth, I mean, Omega, I mean, you name it. If it was a high-end watch, I had worked on it at some point, right. servicing, repairing, whatever it may be. So I already knew the criteria of what had to be done to make a good watch. So once I started sourcing and doing and manufacturing, then I started doing my own design work, and I started doing my own engineering work. And over the years, it just developed into that. So now I actually design and engineer for nine other companies currently. Oh, so wow, I, really? So I do Smith & Bradley here, and then we have nine other companies based in the U.S. where we do all their products. Okay. So we have That's a cool. private side that we do. There are people, you know, it's like, man, we know you guys, you do this, you do that. So there's, you know, some companies I'll do their design work and engineering work. They'll go off and they'll try and get it manufactured. Then they'll come back and go, no, we got to have you manufacture this. You know, we, we've tried it. We went out there, um, but it just doesn't work that well. But we've actually put a, like a moratorium on we're not taking any more clients mm-hmm. doing that side. Because we want to make sure we stay laser focused on producing their products because now their companies are growing. 
So we're producing more watches for those groups. So if we were to take on like 50 different groups, we wouldn't be able to service them because if they all grew at the same time, we'd be in a big heap of trouble. But then they're, uh, they're competing with you also then at that point, right? No. Well, we don't do any products. We'll do any product that doesn't go in the realm or compete with our products. So I will not manufacture and design any product that would cross over into our marketplace. Okay. So uh, when I met you at in Chattanooga, and you had booth set up, and then you had like a uh, like a banner behind you, uh-huh. and you said that was in uh, remembrance of your grandfather, right? Yeah. So the Springfield watch was uh, designed off of my grandfather's original watch that he wore in World War II, and of course back then everyone was a lot smaller. The watches were a lot smaller. Yeah. Yeah. But. It was that classic field style watch, had that really classic look. I'm like, man, if I take that watch and make it more modern, bigger, where people like bigger watches and bigger faces, make it in today's watch with the best components, let's see how it works. And it has been a rocket ship. It's a beautiful watch. And you got, uh, what I like too is you get options on bands, but you know, with that leather, that classic leather band on that one, like you're, like you're talking about, it's got that classic, you know, World War II look to it. Yeah, it's just nostalgic. I mean, you look at it and you go, wow, it's just a nostalgic looking watch. And it's not overpriced. It's not, you know, those four or $500 watches that have that same look. I mean, we got sapphire crystals, stainless steel case, Swiss movement, you know, super loom indices. So, and then you got your choice of strap and you get it for 200 bucks in a waterproof case. Right. And that, and that's something I want to talk about all those terms you just, you know, you just threw out there. So for our novice, you know, uh, watch aficionados, kind of like myself, just kind of getting, like I said, I haven't worn a watch in probably, you know, 20 years. I just, uh, just stopped wearing watches. I mean, mainly because, you know, the digital age and cell phones and, you know, things like that just kind of broke away from wearing watches. But um, the terms that you're talking about, what components, what parts do you look for in a quality, quality watch? So, I mean, for instance, like the, the glass, mineral versus, you know, sapphire glass. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you seen a guy in his watch and it's all scratched up? It's like, how do you even read the time on that? You know, they're all jacked up and they look like crap. Yeah, cracked or something. Yeah, yeah, it's mineral glass. So mineral glass can be scratched. It can be scuffed. It can break down. It can chip off the corners. Sapphire can chip too, but it takes a lot to do that. It's a lot harder. You can't scratch it. The only thing that scratch it's a diamond. That's the only thing on the scale of hardness that is harder than a sapphire is a diamond. So. You can go scuffing down the road on concrete, and you're not going to scratch that because it's not harder than it. So I use the best glass that we can get, and we take that, and we also put the uh, anti-reflective coating on it too so you don't get that super glare mm-hmm. from the sun or any other light, so it actually diminishes that. But we want the best glass with the best optics that we can put into a watch. So what about um, internal parts? What are, what are you looking for? You, you know, you're throwing around Swiss movement and – I mean, you threw out some other terms. I didn't. They just went way over my head, dude. So, so when we when we talk about a Swiss movement, and, and you know, the Swiss they've been doing it a long time. Yeah. And yeah. not that the Japanese haven't been doing it, but when it comes to the Swiss movement, they've been doing it a long time. And everyone tries to replicate and copy off of what they've been doing. So we want to go to the original source, the original people that have been doing this the longest. You know, Japan's been doing it for a while. Sure. And they do a great job at it. Um. And it's not discounted that they're a bad product. I've just grown accustomed to the quality and the level that these pieces are built mm-hmm. and the way that these pieces actually go together, that the Swiss do a very, very, very good job 
you know, especially if it needs service, doing anything in furtherance, the Swiss movement is easier to operate and has a greater longevity. And what is a Swiss movement? Yes. What What is a Swiss movement? It's a movement that is proprietary. It's made in Switzerland with all of their technology. So if you were to look at... So like if I'm how, looking at a watch, how yeah. would I know that it's Swiss movement versus Asian movement or Japanese movement? Or I don't know what the it other term would be. <laughs> it would have, it'd have to say on it that it's a Swiss or um, Japan. Say so on, on the, the watch itself or say on like the your booklets that you get with it or something? No, on the back of the watch, it'll say Swiss movement. So if you take that watch off and you look on the back, it'll say Swiss movement. Now, is that something that you have to pay to put on? No. Your watch is like a trademark thing? It's showing what we always want to show what's in our watches, what yeah. we have yeah. used. And um, we have the right to put that on there because we use that product. I mean, so if we have a Swiss movement, we put on there Swiss movement. Okay. Okay. You should trademark that. If nobody's trademarked that yet, you should trademark it, man. Then everybody's got to pay you to put that on there. Swiss movement? Maybe I'll do that. Never mind. <laughs> I'm going to go do that. <laughs> I'm going to do that right now. I'm going to trademark Swiss movement. <laughs> the Swiss own every right to everything when it comes to Swiss. Now, I'm sure they got the patents on it and all that, yeah. They got it. But when they, the gearing in their movements, the quality of materials, they don't hold back. I was always told that you could tell by the second hand the way that it sweeps, whether a watch is quality or not. Is that true? That's a mechanical movement. That could be a fact to fight the myth. Yeah, so. That could be our fact to fight the myth. So let's do yeah. that. Let's do that. So um, now it's time for the talking lead back to fight the myths. The second hand movement. So I always thought, you know, I was always told that you could tell a good quality watch by the second hand movement. Is that true? Or is that a In, certain extent? To a certain extent. A quartz watch, nine, well, they do make a movement in quartz that does sweep. But a quartz movement ticks. A mechanical movement does tick, but you can tell the quality of that mechanical movement by how the sweeping hand goes. You know, mm -hmm. if it has a little jerkiness to it or if it's perfectly smooth. Right. So, and I don't know if, if it's a quality level. I mean, it's, it's a timekeeping component. So when you look at how the movement is built, the smoother the second hand, it shows the, that there is a degree of quality built within that movement to allow it to sweep versus, you know, ticking along. Mm -hmm. So there is a quality degree that there's a, some craftsmanship that's in there that allows that to sweep versus ticking. So I'm looking at yours. Would you call yours a sweep or a tick? It's a tick because it's a quartz movement. Yeah. So it ticks. It's like so stopping in each second. Right. So it, you know, beep, tick, tick, it just, tick, it just, that's tick, all it does. Tick. Yeah. And it's, and I've seen on some that do that, uh, they'll tick and then they kind of go backwards a little bit and then they'll tick and they'll go backwards a little bit. That's sign yeah. of a bad, yeah. a bad Probably quality. Probably not very good that it does that because then all of a sudden you're losing time. Like you remember those, uh, what are they called? Swatches? Yeah. Back in the eighties, I think it was. Yeah. This is like all the craze. I used to, I used to have swatches. I had some swatches. Um, and then I've, those that you're talking about that just, that just constantly move. They don't tick. They just move. They just rotate. I mean, that's know? a mechanical yeah. movement that's operated off of a, a winding gear that holds tension. Mm -hmm. As it releases tension, is charging up all the gears to move. That's all mechanical. So as it winds and as it moves, it keeps moving. Those are the ones that actually sweep. Okay. And then talk about battery powered versus the winding watches. 
that's another curiosity that I've got. So we were just kind of touching on those. So battery operated is quartz. Okay. So if it's quartz, it's if it's quartz, it's battery operated. So there's there's a coil inside of there, and there's a quartz mechanism which makes everything gyrate. It makes it tick. Yeah. So there's a coil that takes that battery, coils it up, coils up that energy, and then displaces the energy. The same principles involved in a mechanical watch where it takes the winding mechanical winding instead of the battery. So the battery is the winding in the mechanical, which then gives out force and tension, mm-hmm. which goes against the gears and slowly pushes those along. Like winding up an old mantle clock or winding up a, a big clock where you got to take the winder and you got to wind it up and yeah. it's a go. So it, it operates off of tension mechanically to so, allow it to go. So how often on a, uh, like your yours are um, winding, how often do you recommend that you rewind? So our winding watches... Um, we'll go one step further, are what we call automatic. So you only have to give them their first initial charge of energy, mm-hmm. and then there's a rotor, counterbalance rotor inside of it that keeps spinning around as you move your wrist. That rotor inside there keeps turning and keeps applying energy. That one won't do it because it's quartz. Oh, I have a quartz? You have a quartz. So the only one that we make that has a mechanical is the Atlantis. Okay. So everything below Atlantis... Um, is a quartz. So Atlantis is a mechanical. Gotcha. Now, I remember when we were talking, you were showing, I guess you were showing me the Atlantis. You were, you were actually winding it. You show this is how you wind it and, right. and do that. Okay. I guess I was mistaken. I thought this was a, a wind one. So this has a battery in it. So this one's got a battery. Yep. What so kind of batteries it use? We use Swiss batteries. And you get about uh, 42 months okay. for that battery. 42 months. I personally would much rather use a, unless it's one like you're talking about to where just the movement does it, because I would forget to wind my watch and I would never have the right time. <laughs> well, if you, if you never take it off, mechanical is the way to go. If right. you're always wearing it, you'll never lose energy with it. Yeah. But if you take it off, it'll hold energy for up to 42 hours. After that, it'll stop. And then you got to rewind it. Then you have to give it its initial wind back again, and then you can wear it in its automatic mode. Okay. Well, that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool. Um, let's see if I got one sitting here. An Atlantis. Yeah. I don't know if we can. I'm see. a. I'm a. N- n- Want to know how things work? Kind of geek. I like to. I like to take things apart and see how they work. And that's how I get this. That's how I got started. That's how you got so, started. Yeah. Now I'm not going to take this apart. <laughs> and if I turn the watch, that rotor stays down on the bottom. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So what he's what he's showing me, guys, is he's he's holding the Atlantis up right now, and it's the uh, he's got the the face off to where I can see the innards of the watch, and as he's turning it or moving it, then there's a there's a little mechanism in there that that moves too. Is that like on a gyro? Yeah. So there's a bearing gear right there, and that bearing allows it to freely move around. Uh-huh. But that gear goes to the spring, which actually accepts all that winding and that energy yeah. and stores that and it keeps that thing wound up very nice yeah okay i gotta get an atlantis then that's my next one i gotta get there you atlantis. go love that and those are those uh dive certified also 200 meters 200 meters everything like that watch but in a mechanical just same concept very cool so i learned a lot today i mean, i really had no knowledge of of watches i mean i knew they had gears and springs and uh you could do batter, you could do wine, but that's about all I knew. So, what yeah, other interesting go. facts about watches? All kinds of little tidbits. Can, can you hit us with today? I'm intrigued. <laughs> I'm intrigued. So keep going. 
<laughs> yeah, we can get all kinds of funky with them. Let's talk about the different lines of watches that you do have since we're we're talking about uh, the mechanicals and the quartzes. So you're talking about your original, you had the Ambush. Is that your uh-huh. mil-spec watch? Yeah, so that one in the Sands 13, um, like you have as a mil-spec, and then the Sands 13, which was our original watch, mm-hmm. um, that was a mil-spec watch. And just to put a little uh, teaser out there, uh-huh. um, that watch is actually going to be coming back. Because we, we put that away to do the evolution. Okay. And people have been screaming that they want the, the original, original back. So what's back. what's going to happen to the evolution? You're going to keep it, or are you going to put oh, it? We're in gonna, a... yeah. No, we're going to keep it. Okay. Uh, they're two different watches. Um, this one's just built so far over the top; it's amazing. Not that. So what we did was we took every suggestion that we ever had on all the thousands of those Sands 13s that we ever sold. Tons of them went overseas and went into service. These guys are wearing them day in and day out in service. And every little thing they said, hey, man, I love everything about it, but this, but this, but this. So I compiled all that stuff and just did a few changes into that Sans 13 to make it exactly what people wanted. What people so people have built this watch. You know, all the end users have built this watch. Yeah. You know, all the guys out in the field using this. Now, you guys have, have only been around a few years now. So, what, 2012 is when you really kind yeah. of started? Yeah, 2012. So, I mean, you guys, in, in reality, I mean, you're still kind of a new business. Well, we're fresh. We're very yeah. fresh. So, what, uh, five five years? Yeah, five years. So, um, there's no longer a, a Bradley with Smith & Bradley. Um, it's just Smith now. Just Smith, just you? <laughs> it's just me as far as uh, heading up the company. Uh, we've got some fantastic people that work with us now, and they're it, we're making the turn that we needed to make, and we're starting to go in the direction that we wanted to go. You know, when we started off, it was a hobby company, mm. making some watches, doing some cool things, and it turned into something much, much greater, which it's been my full-time job now for three years. And my partner, he couldn't leave his full-time job, so um, there had to be a choice made. You know, right? He can't keep up. He can't do this. Our growth is going in a certain direction, and he can't keep up with I, what I do, so... I, it was just a natural. You alleviated him of his uh, his burden, and yes, so uh, we're able to take it to a higher speed of direction that I wanted to take it to. All right, well, good for you, man. I mean, this is uh, obviously some some quality stuff here. Uh, the one that I've got the experience with right now is the Sands Thirteen Evolution. Loving it, by the way. I can't wait to take it diving. Um, You're gonna love it. Might might be able to get uh, get a dive trip in December. We'll see. Um, gonna, the other thing going to be traveling to Mexico, I think. Nice. The other thing, um, since we build them, you know, we, we, we source all the best parts mm-hmm. and then we assemble the final components here. So if there's anything that happens to the watch, you send it back to us. We service it here. Since we are the originator, you don't send it off to some other place overseas. Send or it give to it, China. <laughs> yeah. Or give it to the place you bought it from and then they send it off. No, we service it here. We do it all here and then we ship it back to you. So we are uh, by far the only American company that does production and service in one. Very nice. And you guys are in Florida, as we mentioned earlier. We are in Florida. Down in Floridia. Um, so we talked about the Ambush, the uh, Sans 13 Evolution. You've got the Atlantis. We talked about it. It's the, your mechanical. Uh, and then you've got an upgrade from that. It's called the Atlantis Pro. What's the difference in the Atlantis and the Atlantis Pro? Um, the Pro has a different attachment. For the strap, mm-hmm. 
it has two screw bars that go in to attach the strap versus just one bar on the other one. Okay. And the bezel is set up a little bit differently, so it's easier to read, easier to turn. It's just set up a whole lot differently. The in, the inside structure is still the same, but the attachment components are different. Okay. So a little more secure on the... Right. Okay. Very good. And then we talked a little bit about Springfield. Is there anything else you wanted to point out about the Springfield? No. I mean, for the money... Oh, you uh, can't beat it. I mean, you, under 200 bucks. You can't go out and buy the watch of having those components of that quality. You, you can't go out and buy that. And you you offer um, choices. You can do a black face or a white face on this one. Can you choose different bands as well? Yeah, so we have 21 different combinations total. So if you get a black case, black face, you got seven different straps to choose from. So if you get a silver case and a white face, seven different straps. So you can just keep going and going. And we have two new colors we're going to introduce um, probably in October. And one of them is going to be faded um, olive drab green. Okay. And the other one is a kind of like a coyote tan, which we call quicksand. Yeah. So is that going to be in the leather? Is that going to be in the... Um, it's going to be choose your strap again. So that... The nylon. Yeah. Oh. So you'll be able to put it on nylon. You'll have it on leather, whichever one you want. Okay, cool. So we'll hopefully have those out in October. We did some sneak peeks with them on Instagram and wow, did we get a response. Oh, bet. I mean, they're... Huge response. It's a beautiful watch, man. I like it. And then you've got, I guess, your your high-end, you know, night on the town, want to look like... The, like the Draper. Like P. Diddy. You got the yeah. Draper. <laughs> so, the Draper, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really, you know, S&B is more of the gear junkie, guy out in the, in the bush, the guy... EDC, going, yeah. You know, this you know, S&B was you know, really a utilitarian slash function watch. But, you know, I'm a watchmaker, so I get all sides of functionality and stuff. And I'm like, you know what? I want to build a watch that is a casual watch that kind of goes across the board with everything. Mm -hmm. And I made the Draper. So that that watch has done way better than what I ever thought it would. Oh, really? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, people gravitated to that very quick. Like, you know, I got my... EDC watch. You know, I wear this thing every day and it's my utilitarian. You know, I go diving with it. I go hunting with it. I go shooting with it. And I, this is my watch. He goes, but I want my watch that I want to go out with. Maybe I don't want to wear that one just as much, but if I want to go to a nicer event or go to this, that, you know, I want a nicer watch. So with the Draper, you have so many colors and combinations you put together. You can build your own style. I know. I'm looking at them right now. I mean, you got Merlot, you got Royal Blue, you got green, uh, sky blue, white, orange, uh, polo blue. Oh my gosh, it's it's crazy. And you got you can do uh, gold or silver, right? And then you've got like white faces or black faces that you could put on them, I guess. And then all the other yeah. different colors. That's kind of where the designer side of me came out. I was like, man, you know, there's so I want people like of, options and choices. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, and I always look at it this way: everyone has. Everyone has a different personality, so every one of those colors is a different personality. Yeah. So it, everyone goes, well, I like this. Oh, they got that. Oh, I like this. I got that. And some people go, well, it's too many choices. You'll confuse them. No, people know what they want. Right. So when they go there and they go, you know what? I want, I'm want. i a silver guy, but I like black. We've got it. You can do it. Go, I'm a silver guy, and I like this in it. We've got it. Very cool. Now, do you do that with all your watches or just the – a few select where you have the choices, the different choices like this. What do you mean? Uh, as far as like the different bands, the different color watch faces, 
Um, all of our watches are set up that way. Okay, so all your watches, you've got a variety of different color watch faces and bands that you can. Yeah, the Sans 13 and the Ambush come in one style. You can't change those out. Okay. Now we do have a red face that goes in the Ambush, but it isn't kind of built the same way. Well, the Ambush, you've got um, a red face. Yeah, we can do a red face, but we don't have like a ton of color options like we do with all the others. Okay. Yeah, you've got, you've got uh, like a red and black and a red and silver. And you yep. got a silver and black, and you got a black on black that you can yeah. do. And then you got your uh, straps that you can do. Yeah, the ambush. Um, you know, we had a lot of guys over the years. That's a good looking watch. I don't remember seeing that. The ambush. So the ambush is I just got digital and analog. Yeah, that's a tool. Oh, the um, we have a lot of guys out in the field that you know request a second hand. They want to see a second hand moving versus a digital one. Yeah. Um, and I'm working with our Swiss engineers right now to get a movement that uses our digital display with the regular hands, but I want to be able to add a second hand in there. Oh, cool. So, you know, I've done some design work for some of the Swiss companies yeah. and studied up certain parts of their watches. So we work really well together. And we may actually change the ambush to put a second hand in it. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah so definitely. the ambush is really cool because you can have two time zones in it. You got an alarm clock, you got a stopwatch, and you got a built-in compass. Very nice. I'm just looking at all of it right here too, and it'll go up to 100 meters. Yeah, I mean, I always tell people you can do your fun in the sun stuff, you can do your snorkeling, but I don't suggest diving with it. Yeah. Now this has uh, the looms also, right? Let's talk about that. We didn't talk. We hadn't talked about the looms yet. Like on mine, if I you know charge this thing up, hit it with the flashlight, and then you know hit pitch black. I mean, even even in the daylight, you can see it light up. It's so bright. Yeah, I mean, it's... So we use a little bit different technology, and that's where the Sans 13 even originated from, is that I never wanted to use paint. You know, a lot of companies use Loom paint. Mm -hmm. And paint, over time, like any other paint, will fade. Like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, glow paint. Right. So paint will fade. No matter what paint it is, pigments will fade. I put it on that clock. See that? I do. <laughs> Does that show up? Can you see it? It. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I put it on the hands. It's my um, Tactical Walls Talking Lead Clock, guys. That uh, the guys at Tactical Walls sent me with the Talking Lead logo. I actually painted the hands on that with the, the, the exact paint that he's talking about that some of these companies use, um, so I can see that at night. So yeah. Well, if you get another clock and you want to put some big time loom on it, we can loom it here with Super Loom. Oh, cool. Well, I'll bring that when I come down to, to Big 3 then. <laughs> okay. um, but when you talk about loom, I wanted to use a, a, a polymer with pigment inside of it so we don't have the propensity for fade. And the original watch, I found a company that was able to take a polymer, inject it with the luminescence material, and sustain it in the polymer. So we wouldn't have this paint that fades. Now we got this polymer that's suspended with the glowing material in it. Right. Um, but what we found over time, you know, other manufacturers use the same tubes, is that the way that you put the tubes in have an ability to come out or fall out at some point. So with the evolution, I got rid of tubes and I had plates made out of this polymer. So your hands actually have a plate of polymer inside the hand. Okay. So it can't fall out. It's actually stuck into the hand. So we don't use paint. The entire back plate, so your your dial is actually two pieces. It's a stencil on top 
of a plate of loom. Oh, okay, cool. So when you look at it, it's like, wow, it's stenciled out. Yeah, I can see the depth in it, yeah. Yeah, so the whole back plate is loom, and it's a polymer that we use for that back plate. I was looking for my flashlight. There it is, okay. Oh, yeah, and the hands are the same way. Right. Very cool. And boom, so, I just charge it up, and bam, look how bright that is. Good night. <laughs> that is awesome. That's some glow. So, And that'll hold that glow for, you were telling me, how long? Uh, depending on your environment, you know, six to eight hours. Yeah, six to eight hours. You know, if you're in a total dark environment, you're going to see it completely still. Once your eyes adjust down to it, you'll still be able to read it and do it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's where a lot of the stuff, when I do these watches, this stuff that I wish I would have had when I was out in the bush doing all my SWAT stuff, mm-hmm. being out doing all this stuff, man, because I had watches that had to be removed because they were so bright glowing that you always had to cover them up. These... You can charge it, and it'll actually fade to a point where the glow won't go past the user, so you can actually use it in the field. Nice. So Nothing like having a a 10 ring when you come in hot. (laughs) Oh, look, he's glowing right there. (laughs) There he is. Pow, pow. So if people want to get your watches, they go to your website, smithandbradleyltd.com. Correct. And uh, you've got the whole lineup there, and uh, you guys can pick and choose. Um, is there anywhere else they can get them? Is this solely the, the place no, where they so, go get them? Um, we just signed on with Chattanooga Shooting Supply, and they're going to oh, carry all of our products to go to all their re- to their retailers that are requesting us. Uh-huh. Um, we just did that last week. So we have about 11 or 12 retailers um, from Michigan to Florida on the east side of the U.S. that are going to be carrying our products. So we'll have that list of all of our retailers up in a couple of weeks once we get everything processed and into the system. So people will finally be able to go out and put hands on. And the reason we decided to go with Chattanooga Shooting Supply, we wanted to get out in that environment because we've had so many people over the past six months requesting, how do I get hands on your product? Where do I see your product? How do I touch your, I, they, mm-hmm. a lot of this people want to get in touch and see and do more with it. And I said, well, we're, we're going to have to make that jump because we have so much product out there. We're going to have to put the product in front of people now because they don't want to go. Some people just don't want to go online. They want to go into their gun shop or outdoor shop. Right? They want to touch. They want to touch it, feel it. Yeah, exactly. And, and this is one of those still- things, guys, that you know you've heard me talk about in the past. Is you can just by feeling and touching, you can feel the quality of these watches. I mean, just as soon as I touched one, I was like, oh yeah, this is this is. And the first one I touched and saw was Mookie. Mookie's got. I think he might have the ambush. He's got the Atlantis. Or the, is that the one? Okay, it was the Atlantis. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, he was showing me that, and I was like, wow, that's super nice watch. And then that's – he didn't know I was coming down to Chattanooga, so that was uh, it was pretty awesome that you, know, you were down there and we got to meet each other. Yeah, absolutely. It was very cool. Yeah. So you guys, uh, check them out. Maybe come into uh, your local gun store. Never know. Check it out. Do you do any promo codes or anything like that, discount codes? If, uh, if you're on our email list – if you go to our website, sign up for our email list, mm-hmm. then you will have the ability to get. We do emailers uh, every other week. Okay. We either talk about a product, insight in what we're doing, information what's going on, and periodically we'll throw out a promo code for a sale. Very cool. But it's not open to the public. It's not an advertised price. It's n- you have to be in our email list to even view it. To find out about it. Gotcha. You will not know it anywhere. It will not be published anywhere. It is not public. If you're in our list, you got the inside track. Very cool. Very cool.
So just for you leadheads, um, but you still want to go and sign up for the, the newsletter because you're going to yeah. get some, some awesome deals, some awesome news there. But for a short promotional time for you leadheads, you leadheads only, you can lo- use the promotional code LEADHEAD like you use everywhere else, and you're going to get a phenomenal 20% off. So that's, that is fucking awesome, guys. So you got to take advantage of this. So as soon as you hear this, this show, go to smithandbradleylimited.com. It's ltd.com. Uh, and uh, look at the awesome uh, array of watches that they've got there. I mean, the selection is unbelievable. The quality, I mean, you can go from the ambush, uh, which the quality is good on all these, uh, everyday bang around, go in the bush kind of deal to your, uh, you know, wear it around, work and play to your, you know, going to the ball watch with the Draper. Uh, and then the historical Springfield. I mean, that thing's beautiful. I, I think you're going to sell a ton of those to our leadheads. I mean, that's probably right, oh up, there, right up their alley. 199 you can't beat that with 20% and, and that off. Discount? That's phenomenal. I mean, that's, uh, and he hasn't he hasn't ever he hasn't ever done this for anybody else, guys. So make sure you take advantage of this. I mean, we're going to give you guys plenty of time on this. You know, at least a month. He's going to run this special just for you leadheads. So promo code only the leadheads. Only the leadheads. And the way he's going to know that is you got to use the promo code leadhead, and you're going to get twenty percent off. Fabulous, Jeremy. Thank you for setting that up. That's that's phenomenal, man. Absolutely. So we, we found out about your company. We found out a little bit about you. Being a new guy on the show, I've got a list of questions, a line of questions that I throw out to our newbies. And, uh, Is this the jump? Kind of, kind of, sort of. So the first one is, what's your earliest recollection of a firearm, being involved with firearm shooting? Um, probably right around 10 or 11 when my dad took me out shooting with his 1911. 1911. So you, you cut your teeth on a 1911. That's awesome. Yep. 45 ACP 1911. Is it still around today? Yep. It was a stainless bottom, blued top. Very cool. And is is your dad still alive? Yes. Okay. So he still has that? Yep. Still you, has it. So you've got access. You can still go. So that was your very first gun. That's awesome. What's the yeah. first gun that you could call your own that you can say that, you know, I bought this, I own this? It's the first one Not you went out and purchased. Me. Not a hand-me-down, not given to me, but the one I actually purchased. The one you actually went and spent money on, yeah. The one I went and spent money on was my first duty weapon. Okay, the Glock 21? Glock 21. Awesome. And you've still got it? I still have it today with the original sights that are on it that actually still glow. <laughs> They're still glowing, People are like, huh? how do these things still glow? It's amazing. That is amazing. It is. So is that a Gen 1 or a Gen 2? I believe it's a Gen 2. Gen 2? Okay. Yes. Very cool. You got to post some pictures of that thing. That'd be cool. I will. So I'll maybe post- maybe uh, it's the looms that you like you use in your watches. Maybe that's what they used in those sites. No, it's tritium in there. Oh, there's They're, tritium. Yeah, they are tritium. They're trigicons. Oh, okay. So you bought them with trigicons on it. Yeah. So you you did the upgrade. Yeah. So I had the trigicons installed, and uh, I was always a hogue grip guy, so I put the hogue grip on it. Gotcha. Yeah, my paws are a little. They're big enough to hold all of that. Oh yeah. Yeah, you got some big mitts. You're a big boy. <laughs> You guys who haven't seen Jeremy, uh, he works out a little bit. <laughs> He's properly pumped. Yeah, so, so we talked about your, your law enforcement uh, career. Started off LE, went SWAT, uh, retired your SWAT, and then you did K-9. Uh-huh. Give us a, an interesting story that you can talk about of 
when when you think back to those days, what's some, what's a story that that pops into your head? Uh, there was one where uh, another agency asked for my dog. Like, hey, we need your dog for a walk around. I'm like, okay. So I get there, and there's three guys. They're getting out of the car. So they get him out of the car, and they're like, this is this truck. We followed it. We need to do a walk around. We think they got drugs in there. So I park behind the first squad. As I'm walking my dog up past that first squad car, my dog starts alerting, lunging, going crazy for that truck. We're not even 20 feet from that car. <laughs> And he is just going berserk crazy. And I'm like, I can't even get close. I said, we're I'm like, we're not even going to go any farther. Right. 10 feet. This dog's going nuts. So we put him back in the car. And I'm like, what in the world? This is a pickup truck. Right. You're like, there's something going on here. I'm like, what can this pickup truck possibly have? So we walk up to it. And we were blown away. There were full in suspension meth lab operating right there in, with over 30 pounds of meth in the suspension in the pickup truck as the old boy was sitting there he was smoking sitting on top of it <laughs> when they stopped him. oh my god we had to evacuate the whole block because it would have blown up everything in that vicinity right 30 pounds of suspension in the state of it could have exploded at any moment oh my god that that, that would have been hilarious if, if you'd have got a call for an explosion prior to that. I mean, not during while you were there, but. <laughs> it was, that was totally, totally bizarre. Bubba Pickup Meth Lab. That's awesome. Yeah, the, Mobile uh, Meth Lab. <laughs> and one other one that comes. Tell me you, know, you right took after, pictures of that. Yeah. The oh one my that comes gosh. Right after that was a guy that, um, just two stories real quick. He, uh, we went to a domestic call and. After the wife had called, he was so distraught, he stabbed himself. And not only did he stab himself, he was a little nutsy. So he sliced himself open in his guts. No. He was holding his guts (laughs) in his hand as we get there. And we're like, dude, you have, he's like, and then he wanted to fight us. As he's holding his guts. As he's holding his guts. (laughs) So my lieutenant's with me, and this is about, 2.30 2.30 in the morning, we're like, this guy is off his rocker. We don't know what dope he's on. We don't know what. He, but he's sitting there holding his innards in one hand and trying to fight us with the other hand. Oh, my gosh. What was so, he on? What do you do? This guy's coming at you and fighting with his guts hanging out. So <laughs> my lieutenant actually sprayed him with pepper spray. <laughs> so you think pepper spray is bad enough on your face? Can you imagine when it goes on your raw guts? Your guts? Oh, my God. Was this guy just like wailing in pain yep we went right to the ground flailing like a fish out of water i mean just shut him down it, it was like the scene of scenes man just it, oh man it was just crazy disgusting oh my god what a nut job yeah so those two pop up really quick but there's right so, oh, i'm sure you got tons tons yeah. so when it comes to pop culture what is your go-to that's gun related whether it be a magazine a movie music tv show Video game, you don't like the video game kind of guy, so. No. Um, my favorite movie is Tombstone. I can watch that movie every day. That's a great movie. Love that. Every day. I mean, that one, it, Kurt it says Russell. a lot. Love Kurt Russell, man. Yeah. I mean, that movie says a lot, especially for how I was in previous, you know, yeah. with Wyatt. And, you know, I grew up from a background of poor with nothing. And every, I grew up in the hood. 
So all of my friends were kind of like Doc. Right. They were great guys, just didn't know how to get out of where they were. Yeah. And you know, I was blessed enough to know a direction like this is where I'm going to go. I've got to get out of here. I've got to do something. And it's funny because all my friends are still that I grew up with are still where they were. Interesting. It is very interesting. That and, is a good movie, though, too. And uh, speaking of Kurt Russell, did you see the Guardians of the Galaxy? You ever watched any of those movies? I did see that last one. The one with him in it. I loved it when they did the the young Kurt Russell, and he had that freaking just <laughs> shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> it was classic. But, but that's my go-to movie. I love that movie. And then I'm a Star Wars junkie. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm a bad Star Wars junkie. What did you think about Rogue One? I enjoyed it. I did too. Um, I thought they did a, a little, great job on that. Took a little bit of getting used to the adaptation of where it left off from before to jumping into this one and putting the pieces together because I look at everything behind every little piece and oh, like, yeah. well, this kind of go, but it just took a while to let it sink in. I thought it right off the bat. I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was awesome the way that they, they tied that in, you know, and then it just flows right into, you know, the Star Wars that you're used to that we grew up with. Oh yeah, my episode was at uh, four. Yeah, so my uh, in my living room, I've got the big, huge, four foot Darth Vader. Oh, nice! <laughs> I'm that kind of a geek. When I bet he's to... wearing a watch too, isn't he? I bet he's wearing a an ambush. <laughs> That's a good call. He should. You, he should be. If yeah, he, you need to put the big red faced one on him. Nice. That's what I'm going to do. Yes. There we go. There you go. What about um, um, music? What kind of music are you into? Ooh. What gets you pumped up? I know you got to do uh, something while you're sitting there working on. You got to listen to music or something. You know, it's funny when I um, doing watches, I can really jive on some classical. Yeah. Um, doing everything else, um, probably Metallica, Godsmack, Soil. There you go. Yeah. A little bit of. Uh, now, did you crank that up when you went on uh, went on raids and missions and with SWAT? Did you guys crank oh. some of that up to get pumped up? wildly <laughs> wildly <laughs> but you know i always say that was bc you know before children right man i look back it's like how in the world did i ever get out of that you know how did i survive all the crap that i did you know i mean every you know every time ramming a door and coming in and you know guns are blazing and all the things that we used to do we used to we used to get really condemned a lot by the way that our team operated because we operated and then ask questions. We weren't, um, like the state police, when we would train with them, yeah. they wouldn't train with, they quit training with us because, you know, active shooter, boom, 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 go to it, pop, 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 done. Everything is go to it, kill it, be done. Yeah. Uh, and they are, well, wait, see, respond. Yeah. Fuck that. And I'm like, no, I hear a pop. I'm going to that pop, and I'm eliminating that right now. Well, usually when they call SWAT in, though, too, I mean, it's already escalated to the point of, you know. But you're, it's amazing, though, like the Illinois State Police SWAT teams, they wait, listen, and they, they don't, they, they're not that, go, 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 go. We were always, I mean, they always tell us to stand down. We, you know, don't call them in until it, don't call our team in until it's the last, that's it. <laughs> because we get there. It's, it's done. go. It's on. Yeah. Go. I mean, even like, you know, hostage deals, you know, I remember pinned up with a door at a hostage deal. They're like, as soon as he cracks that door, pop him. As soon as he cracks the door, pop him. I'm like, you crack that door. It's like, pop, 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 pop. And he's down. And other people are like, just wait. We'll talk him out. And I'm like, you've already called us. It's over. That dude <laughs> he, pops that door at all. He you've comes exhausted all, all your resources when you call us. We up, are baby. done. 
as soon as we even get a glimpse of that window or that door, we're going home. We're done. <laughs> that's awesome. But that's how we operate. So yeah, it was always uh, it was just balls to the wall, man. So it was. Now that's that was the fun part. Yeah. Bet. So you know, nothing when lights and sirens are blazing at a hundred and some miles an hour, getting there and doing it, and it's like, yeah, it's all. So what would what's your next bucket list piece of kit or firearm that you'd like to have? That's a tough one. What are you eyeing? Uh, huh? What are you eyeing? What do you got your eye on? So I haven't shot rifle in a long time. A very long time. Because I never changed pistols once. Mm-hmm. I've always shot the same pistol day one till today. Just because of instinctual behavior. Um, I never wanted to operate another pistol where I go, oh, which one do I have? Get into that firefight and say, oh, am I shooting a double axe, a single axe? Right. That's out the window. So I've always stayed same pistol no matter what. I carry that thing anywhere, and I just know when I pick it up, it's like my finger. As soon as I, I know exactly where the thing goes every single time. So rifle, I mean, I, the only thing I ever had when I was SWAT was just an AR. So I, I didn't know anything else. I yeah. mean, I didn't do the sniper's job. I didn't do any other stuff. But were you guys uh, carrying the uh, the sixteen inch? Or were you carrying the sub? The sixteen inch. Sure. Okay. Yeah, so it wasn't super small, but nothing special, nothing this. I mean, red dot, that's about it. I mean, because we were always close quarters, didn't have anything long. I mean, our snipers and everything else long. But I want to get into doing sniper stuff. No, go ahead. So I want to do sniper stuff. Okay. I want to get into long so range. long range precision. Yeah, so. Very cool. That's my next thing that I want to do. I used to shoot, when I was younger, you know, 11 and 12, I used to shoot in the rifle club. So, you know, we'd have just rifle shoots and rifle shoots. And I always enjoyed the technique of rifle shooting, you know, taking your time and your patience and adjusting the sights and breathing and all that stuff with it. But I didn't go any farther than that. Do you and want to now, get into a semi-auto or bolt action? See, that's where I don't know yet. Okay. Um, that's where so you're I torn. have to figure out what's better. I just got a, uh, a new setup. I got a 308 in, a 20-inch barrel, and I put a right-on... 25 or 5 by 25 optic on it and i still haven't had a chance to take it out yet i mean i've had it now for like a month or so and i'm just dying to go out and dial this thing in man Um, but with that with that glass on top it's a nordic components 308 uh, 20 inch and i don't know if you're familiar with nordic components or not but they make some very tight rifles very solid rifles um and then with ride-ons Glass on there. I mean, they're glass, like I was telling you before. I mean, it's just crystal clear, sharp. Love their reticles. Um, I'm going to take it out. Um, I might bring it down to, to Big Three East. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to shoot it before then. Uh, maybe on this trip to uh, to Michigan, I'll get to, to break it out. But uh, Yeah, man, I am, I'm kind of like you. I've been uh, been wanting to delve into the long-range precision, too. Yeah, I'm, it's just that thing of testing myself, you know, yeah. just that, that constance and that you know, can I get that? Can it's I like get throwing that? darts and you know trying to hit the bullseye every time. Yeah, you just can't and get I, enough of it. My personality is I just don't stop, stop. It's like I keep going and going and going and going yeah. and going. Yeah. So, so price, price, price be damned, price, laws be damned. Uh, what would you have? What would you own? Probably end up getting a Barrett. Fifty cal, Probably. semi-auto. Yeah. Okay. Price be damned. <laughs> So, did you guys have like um, some awesome vehicles in your SWAT unit? 
you have like some um, heavily armored up kind of stuff? We had one that was just built specifically for SWAT. Yeah. So heavily, heavily armored. But man, it was just so small inside because there's just so much on the outside. You know, all of our gear was stacked on the inside everywhere. And right. You just get stacked up. You just get racked and stacked and boom, you hit. But that was, uh, that thing was like a tank, literally. Yeah. I mean, it was a beast. That's what I would own. I would own a tank. I would get a Bradley tank. <laughs> if I could and get it, if it was. That's what I'm saying. Laws be damned. Price be damned. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I always say, man, I'd like to have an H1. Yeah. Just, just to drive, just to have. Heck yeah. But just so, it's so unpractical here in, in Florida. Oh, practicality ain't got nothing to do with it, man. <laughs> uh-huh. No, practicality. It's like, how do I even get around and do this stuff? No. Don't be practical. This this is a fantasy question. <laughs> but yeah, um, I would probably, I'd probably go with a really decked out H1. Yeah. Guns mounted, rocket launchers. Oh, I'd do it. Oh, yeah. Jacked yeah, was, up, big mutters. Yeah. I always told my wife, if I ever went totally rogue in the world, I'd just get an old Ford LTD. There you go. <laughs> put some bush, some guards on the front and the back. Big old everyone, land yacht. Yeah. Everyone that wanted to cut me off, I'm just going to ram them and just keep moving, man. Just keep peeling them off and keep moving. <laughs> so if you could spend the day at the range with anybody, whether it's a um, real person, fictional person, group of people, dead or alive, who would you like to spend the day at the range with? Man, fictional person. Or live. I mean, they could be they could be real. They could be fictional. It could be somebody's dead, somebody's alive. It could be a group of people. You know, I would, um, I'd probably go back to like the Wyatt Earp Doc Holiday guys. Uh huh. Um, for what they what they claimed that their precision was and how good Doc Holiday by far, with the ability to use and manipulate that wheel gun the way that he did, I would be overly impressed to learn just some of those techniques on how that hand eye coordination and put that bullet where he always put those bullets. Right. That would be impressive. That would be cool. That would be a fun time. You could recreate the uh, shoot out the OK Corral. <laughs> you know, you look at the you know those rounds and those pistols and man, that's some shooting. If if they were indeed that accurate, you know, that's just it. You know, we're going off the stories, right? And we're going off what they proclaim. I find they, it hard to believe that they were that accurate. Yeah, but you know, if, if the, hey, if history is right. My golly, I want to, I want to shoot like them. Well, you and I both know that history can be manipulated and is manipulated. But it is. It, it's always uh, the generations down the road. And embellished. <laughs> but no, that would be cool, definitely. Um, well, very good. So, as I had mentioned earlier in the show, we've got a Tactical Squirrel uh, monthly subscription box from July to give away. All right, so what you guys got to do is you got to go to Jeremy's Instagram page, which is SB Watches, at SB Watches, and we're going to have a post of this show on there. Maybe I'll do a post of me with the watch. Uh, and then you guys have to comment on that post and say Leadhead was here, and you got you to gotta subscribe to his page, Instagram page. You got to like his Instagram page. And we're going to randomly pick a winner for that. And you guys are going to have a couple of weeks to do that. So like I said, I'm going to be traveling uh, the next couple of weeks. So that'll give you some time. And dog approved. <laughs> Canine approved. Perfect timing. 
All right. Well, Jeremy, thank you so much for taking the time to be on. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed this interview, learning more about watches in general, but uh, your watches as well. And again, you guys go to smithandbradleyltd.com and don't forget to use that leadhead discount code for 20% off. Yeah, awesome. We'll get that popped up. And make sure you support those who support this show, Modern Spartan Systems. Check them out at modernspartansystems.com. Right on, the official optics of Talking Lead. Check them out at rightonusa.com. X-Steel Targets, xsteeltargets.com. Frontier Tactical, frontiertactical.com. And Glock, us.glock.com. And don't forget to subscribe to uh, get your monthly Tactical Squirrel boxes at uh, Talking Lead. Go to our website, click on that link there. And uh, your first month subscription, you're going to get an awesome addition to your box just because you're a leadhead. So real quick, we didn't get all your social meds. Um, Instagram, we know it's SB Watches, at SB Watches. What's your Facebook? Our Facebook is Smith Bradley LTD, Smith and Bradley LTD. Okay. SB Watches is Instagram. Yep, it's at SB Watches. And is that Twitter also? Yes. Twitter should be the same at SB Watches. Okay. Stop by the website, man. Uh, check it out. Go play around there for a little bit. Um, you get to see all of the different stuff that we've created on that website now, where you can go and play and watch and see all your stuff built right before your eyes. Whereas other websites, you just go click on the product. There it is. You can actually do this one right in front of you. You can change the straps right in front of you and right there and just keep playing with it. So you can build your watch right in front of you. Very cool. Guys, I guarantee you will not be disappointed with these watches. If you have any questions, they've got a customer support link there that you guys can uh, get in touch with. You, cu- you can custom build watches too, right? We, we do custom build them. Um, depends on what degree, um, but we can custom build them from... The only thing is the limit is the money. The money, yep. So how much you want to spend, you can do it, right? <laughs> we've, we've done them for 25000 before, not a problem. There you go. There you go. So until next week, Leadheads, as always, keep your loved ones close, keep your firearms closer, and make sure you got the SMB on the other wrist. <laughs>